0: wellnesscoach.com streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Welcome wonderful women to Wellness Women Radio. It's so great to have you back joining us again. I'm Ashley and I'm Andrea. And today we have someone really, really special, and we're so excited to introduce her to you. We have with us an author, and she's written books that have been read by millions worldwide. And uh, an international speaker and acclaimed songwriter, Bronnie's first book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, was translated into 29 languages. And her second book, Your Year for Change, has reached the hands of millions worldwide. She's recently released her third book, titled Bloom, A Tale of Courage, Surrender, and Breaking Through Upper Limits. And Bronnie Ware is passionately promoting life balance, conscious choice, and regret free living. Bronnie, welcome to the show. We are so glad to have you. Thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you both so much. It's a delight to be here.
1: Well, um, Bonnie, it was really sweet just watching your face then as uh, Ash was introducing you. Um, you. Just from the few moments we've been talking to you before the show, you come across as just so just genuine and authentic and you had like such a beautiful smile on your face, almost um it was almost, you know, like you were so proud of yourself for the fact that your book has been published in so many different languages. It was just gorgeous to see your face then. Uh, I just <laughs> wanted to add that in. <laughs> That's a pretty incredible accomplishment. Um,
2: I, I guess so. But when, thank you. It It is. <laughs> and I, I have to have to acknowledge it to myself sometimes, but I, I think when when you're actually living it, it, it doesn't seem so huge. It's just the next step of the journey and, and I just tend to live step by
0: step. So I've just done a lot of steps along the way, that's all. <laughs>
2: Yeah. And yeah. for those yeah. yeah,
0: for those of you listening who don't um know what Bronnie has translated into 29 languages, it was actually her amazing book The Top 5 regrets of the dying and just to put uh, I was telling Bronnie that I actually knew of her way before we have this conversation today back in my life living in uh, Europe in Amsterdam and I was sitting on the metro subways in Amsterdam where they give out the free newspapers and I read the the translated version in Dutch and it was like incredible to think I'd read your blog piece in a different language and uh, you're an amazing Australian author so tell us a little bit about how that got to the point where like this got snapped up I mean what, what was it that resonated about this concept of regrets of the dying that you think people just went wow this this is something I needed to read. I think it was uh, a couple of things. One, it, it was just very simply written,
2: and so it was easy to relate to in that sense. And the other is that I think it gives people permission to actually make changes. I, they're the only things I can think of, that it, it gave a lot of people permission to to really um, step into themselves and, and break some old patterns. And beyond that, I've, I've no idea whatsoever other than... Um, <laughs> I was given a lot of powerful wisdom from dying people and I was called to share it. And so life just opened up the the pathways to, to allow that wisdom to be shared onward. And
0: you had that opportunity to sit by the bedside of people passing, obviously, as a palliative carer. Um, That was something that a lot of people, well, one, may not even know that that's a job. And in your case, job maybe, but um, I remember, you know, reading and listening as well that you felt more so than a job of physically caring for people. It was actually the listening and the emotional care for the people. Yes, and I think that was where my
2: strength came in and, and perhaps that's why I was called to share on what I have because I I think, you know, the physical side of it, if if you're an able person, most people can do the physical side of caring for people, uh, even better if they have gentleness in them as well. Uh, but for me, I think the listening is is where my strength came in because that's where the the magic happened, where the, the rich relationships were formed, and where the, the genuine love between myself and my patients was formed. So, yeah, I think that there's it's the carer role is uh, is just in disguise of of actually just being a, a companion at the end.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. Um, Bonnie, for say our listeners who maybe haven't heard of your book, how did it get to, so obviously you were the carer for these incredible people and that you had the, this incredible gift of pulling out some amazing lessons that you learned from them. But how did you get to that point in the first place?
2: Uh, I was looking for a job with heart and mm-hmm. I I didn't actually, I'd never worked in any sort of health field, so um, I'd come from a banking background. And so I just was looking very hard for, for work with heart and I took a live-in position as a carer and mm-hmm. that led into palliative care when, when that patient became, when that that woman I was caring for became terminally ill. And so that sort of led to eight years of caring for dying people. And then I, I went on to teach songwriting in a women's jail after that and a music magazine. Wow. Yes. Yeah, I wanted to sort of work where there was a bit of hope. So I just changed directions um, and worked in the jail for a while. And uh, that's a whole nother story. And yeah. Um, but a music magazine asked me to write an article about my experience in the jail, and when I wrote that, I thought, why aren't I writing more? you know I, I love writing. I always had pen friends as a child and and I thought, this is crazy I'll start a blog and so this the second article I wrote, the first one being the one about the jail um teaching in the jail, was regrets of the dying and It was about six months after it had been written that it actually took off. And so during that time, I think I was going through a huge um, crisis in myself and a huge breakdown of giving to so many people and not knowing how to receive myself. So I had quite a huge burnout after all of that. And so when I was coming through that and I was feeling ready to step back out in the world, that's when the blog actually took off. And... It was viewed by three million people, or something, in the first year, and I think eight million in the first three years. And so that led to a um, a book and um, a, an agent contacting me. And then she tried to market the book to twenty four publishers, who all rejected it. So I pretty much just thought, oh, I'll well, stuff it. I was a singer-song independent singer-songwriter. I'll be an independent author. And that led to um, the book then taking off and I was pregnant then. At the time, and and then it took off at its hugest point when I was in labour in hospital and. <laughs> So, you know, I, I actually birthed the, the two together. So I, um,
1: Amazing.
2: yeah, I was doing interviews from my hospital bed at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night in labor, and it was awful. And I just sent out a very <laughs> strong, strong prayer and said, No, no more. I mean, it had taken me 14 years of trying to make a living as a self, as an artist, as a creative person mm. through photography or music, or uh, you know, finally a book. Um, and I was ready to quit because I was just, I wanted to be a mother. I was 45. I was a first-time mom at 45, conceived naturally and quickly. Like, there were a lot of miracles happening around me, and I, I wanted know. to focus on that. And and so I was ready to quit, and so I sent out a very strong prayer this night before my daughter was born and said, I need help now. I, I need help. There's, you know, I'm going to quit because... I've given 14 years to this, and I can't do that now. I'm going to be a mother. I need I need help, and uh, yeah. So within 24 hours of my daughter being born, um, I was uh, contacted by Hey House, my dream publishing house, and uh, and they offered me an international publishing deal while my daughter's you know bawling and my milk's coming in, and the <laughs> hospital staff are flapping around, and you know I'm in my mother's my 80 year old mother's 90 and. You know it's all it was a pretty a surreal scene and yeah it just went from there and it's gone into 29 languages and there's actually a movie in the pipeline now so that's pretty strange and and great i guess i'll
1: grow into that one as well as it happens but um yeah Ronnie, so I congratulations think it was just that, that's just incredible and what an amazing time of creation Mm, You know, birthing book, birthing your first baby um, and everything else along the way. That's absolutely amazing. Can you um, sort of go through what, without spoiling the book and now the movie for everybody, what are what are some of the the top regrets of of the dying okay well i'll share the the first couple with you the first um the most common one
2: which shapes all of our lives is people wishing that they'd had the courage to live a life true to themselves not the life that other people expected of them and that was painfully common and brought so much um heartache and anguish to to people when they were carrying that regret towards the end and yeah, it, it, it just gave me so much power to make sure that I didn't do do the same. Um,
0: this, sorry. Yeah. yeah, I was just going to say, I, when I read it, I remember um, Grace really spoke to me. You know, I found that uh, your your journey with her was something that went, wow, um, I want people to read this book, but i just love them to understand, what was the promise she asked you to keep? Oh, she just
2: um fiercely squeezed uh, squeezed my arm and uh and she was a tiny woman, but just so beautiful i I still still love her dearly all these years later and um she just made me promise that I would never have that regret myself that I would live a life true to myself and no matter how hard it was, just to always remember the pain that her not doing it caused her and to honor her and myself in in doing that so so I did yeah.
0: Amazing. And then, of course, the next one would be uh, the regret of wishing didn't work so hard. How do we not do that? Because Andrea and I are both in this zone in our life where burning the candle at both ends, modern women trying mm-hmm. to do a million things, you know, wanting to be um, be everything to everyone often and and actually also feeling like you're drawing energy from doing all that stuff. And yet some days you do know that you wonder whether or not you're working too hard. <laughs> too hard well it's not about not loving your work it's
2: it's about um honoring other areas of your life and and this is a big part of what my second my third book's about is bloom is about surrendering and trusting that we don't actually have to do all the work to make things happen that if we can create a little bit of space and um and and honor other areas of our life then life supports us anyway and actually gives us a lot of shortcuts to to where we want to go so it's you know i i love my work you know i I love my work greatly but life has taught me that i love a lot of other areas of my life too and i'm i'm also a mum, so i i fully understand where as working women where we're all at but but there's there's so many other joys and uh yeah just our, our you know our girlfriends our relationships our our children our lying on the lounge, looking at the ceiling, thinking of nothing moments.
0: You know? <laughs> I'm, I'm usually staring things. at a huntsman in the corner thinking, holy moly. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: We, don't, we don't do enough of that. And, and that's actually really healthy for us to to create space. So, yeah, those two were the most common regrets. And there were others that, that shaped me, but they all came down to courage. They all came down to, to living an authentic life and, and expressing ourselves and
0: being courageous. And how have some of those conversations and observations um, shifted some of the choices in your own life? Because I I know that you're obviously a very creative, intuitive soul. But at some point, like you said, there was a massive upheaval. What was it about these connections with people in those final stages of their life that made you think, you know, uh, this is me. I've got to do things differently, too.
2: Well, I, I witnessed the, the anguish firsthand yeah. and that, that had such a profound effect on me that I couldn't deny it to myself. So uh, I think the fact that, I, well, not only that, I, that I witnessed it firsthand, but also that it made me contemplate my own death. And that is something that Mm. we all need to do more of and speak more about death and realize, okay, we're going to die and we're on limited time. And so as a society, the more we can actually speak about death, which is a very natural part of the process of of our journey, then the the more courage we can find because we're we're facing the, the truth of our existence and that is that we're on limited time and we don't have all the time in the world to make the changes and
1: mm-hmm. we can't
2: do every single thing we want to do in life because as soon as we do that, we want to do something else anyway. So, But the more we can focus on death, like accept death, which I have definitely done, the more we prioritise and we find the courage to do those things that really ignite our hearts and sometimes it takes the the scare of death to to give you the courage to do that.
1: Mm. Yeah, and let's hope that uh, we can heed that warning and we don't need to get to that point to figure out what those regrets are. Um, Bonnie, how did that then tie into your next book, so Into Bloom? Tell us a little bit about that because I am fascinated by the fact that at 45 you decided, okay, now's the time to have a baby. (laughs) I think that is incredible.
2: Well, I think my daughter decided it. I think determination well, yeah. should have been her middle name um I'd given up the thought of having a child because i I was into my forties and um and then I just i started thinking about foster parenting and but I didn't want to be in a system of you know I'm very free spirited and I didn't want to be in a system where I had to check in with government departments and things like that. Um, as much as I I fully love and respect those who who can do that role, Um so I ended up meeting a, a man and at uh, we were, I was forty three, and we became friends and then we intentionally became lovers and well we obviously we didn't stumble across we didn't unintentionally become lovers um, <laughs> we knew, we knew what we were doing we were grown ups and um, <laughs> I'm happy
1: to hear that yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> But we then, after we became uh, became a couple, we intentionally um, conceived a, a child, and we did. And she came through the second month we tried. And so I was forty four years old then, and I'd never been pregnant before. I didn't know if I could conceive, but I'd had a dream a couple of times, a similar dream, a little girl just saying, "Hurry up! I can't wait much longer." And I was, before you go through menopause, you sort of can forget that you've, you're on a time thing. And I don't live by calendars and stuff as much as I can help it. So yeah, I just um, it, it was just amazing. She she came through. I had a had an incredibly healthy pregnancy, though I did end up having to leave the relationship. So by the time my daughter was born, I was already a single parent. And uh, so um, the pregnancy was went really well. She was born healthy, a huge, healthy, gorgeous baby. And then the publishing contract happened, and then about only a couple of weeks after so my daughter's name is Eleanor after Eleanor was born um I started having some aches in my hands and feet and just thought it was just some sort of inconvenience of a bug or something and that I'd knock it on the head in a flash and then it, it just started getting a little bit more persistent and and I realized that it was actually there all the time so it went on for a little while and it At about six weeks after Eleanor was born, I I thought I better go see about this because it doesn't matter how well I'm eating and what I'm doing here, it's not actually going away and and it was then that I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and so it was a a pretty horrific journey then because I, I was on my own, I had a newborn baby, I had this international career and my body was just seizing up completely. Um, so for me, I, it's really hard to distinguish between the three because I've never had the disease or the child or the success, work success without the other. So I actually see them as, as one perfectly interwoven journey because if if I hadn't had the success of the work, I couldn't have um, supported myself and I was able to support my, myself and my daughter all the way through the healing journey of that. Um, and yeah, I just—it's it, just been massive. It's—it's it's been a so bloom. My sec, my third book is a tale of courage, surrender, and breaking through upper limits. And that is what having illness has has done for me. And I I ended up in a real mess, an absolute mess. And I was um, I used to borrow wheelchairs at the airports, and I was shopping for walking sticks, and I'd lost all of my confidence. I couldn't. I couldn't walk more than thirty meters on a good day, and I was raising a baby during all of this. And um, so I sort of went to Helen back, and then turned a corner finally. And uh, and now I still live with RA, but I um, I see it as one of the best things that's ever happened to me because it's just taught me so so many beautiful things that have brought me into who I am now and, and they could never have come about through any other path. So in the, in the big picture, as much as it can seem really crappy and awful, um, I've come to realize, and this has helped me surrender, that, that our lessons, no matter if it's disease or whatever our lessons are, and we all have them, they, they really are given to us from a place of love and the more we can accept that and not resist them, the more blessings we can take from them.
0: I think that's going to really resonate, Bronnie, with uh, a lot of our listeners because we have so many beautiful emails that come into us where women are on that journey or they're right right deep in the depths of that uh, almost, dare I say, despair when the frustration and the anguish and the pain and, you know, the physical challenges they're experiencing are are really taking them to rock bottom. But to hear your story, to realise that, you know, you have been able to not just go through it but come through it. And almost by the title of your, your book, Bloom, to bloom from it with an appreciation as well for that the, the pain in that journey as well. What, um, what is it do you think people, like when you're in, in that space of despair or, or just hopelessness in the sense of not knowing what to do next, what do you suggest people connect with or where do they find that? Well, they uh, stop trying to work out what to do next. Just
2: let it be what it is. Stop trying to get over it and understand this is where life is at right now. You have to go through it, not over it. And the only way we can live successfully, truly with with true joy in our heart, is to live presently and just deal with one step at a time. And that's where the the courage to surrender becomes an amazing freedom because it it doesn't become so overwhelming. You can still have a an awful day and, and be peeved off at life and you know, cry and give up and everything else, but that's a part of the release. And I mean, pain has helped me cry some huge stuff out. And so, rather than just try and fix it or to work out how to do it, let it go and just be with it and go and do something nice, have a cup of tea or catch up with a friend or just do something nice for yourself and stop trying to work it out. Because when the time's right, when you're ready for the next step, you'll know what to do, the, the, it'll come. The, the answer will
1: come. Bronnie, what was the, for you saying that you now still live with RA, but mm-hmm. it sounds like you're in a very different place with that now from what you were previously when you've just had your baby. What was mm. the sort of um, the, the panache for you? Was there anything that was a really big turning point? Was it just time? Was it surrendering to that and your body just moved through it? Was there anything in particular that you put into place it's everything, all of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so I start
2: I start trying to heal it completely um, through natural um, channels. So I was going through naturopathy, chiropractic stuff, meditation, spiritual, you know, and visualization, the whole thing. I was a meditator for twenty years, so that for me that was the most obvious place to go. And I just thought I could knock it on the head very easily and I was also breastfeeding my daughter at the time so I didn't want to go down the pharmaceutical route anyway because they were like the immunosuppressant drugs are a type of chemotherapy so I didn't want to go down that road. So I ended up going from, you know, usually like I was a size 14, 12 to 14. I went from that down to a size 8 and then buying a teenage bra because I, I just couldn't even fit a, a regular A-size bra, and people were just staring at me because I was so broken and frail, and I was tiny. I, I and by the time my daughter was one and a half, she was helping me get dressed, and mm. just you know, it, it just broke my heart that that my friends were able to take her to the beach, and I had to watch because I couldn't, I couldn't even walk on grass or sand or anything, and so it just for me it had to get that bad because i've i've always and i think a lot of us as women do this that we just keep taking on a bigger and bigger load and for me it had to get that bad for me to think okay just because i can do it tough doesn't actually mean i have to do it tough and so it had to get so ridiculously bad for me to notice how tough i was doing it and to say oh actually I want an easy life now, I, I, and I'm going to say that without guilt. I, I actually want an easy life, and I'm going to work towards creating that. So I went to an Ayurvedic doctor, a GP, um, who's also an Ayurvedic doctor, and he convinced me to go to a rheumatologist, and he said, look, you know, your body's in trauma. It's you've, You're too far gone to come back. And so I eventually went on to the immunosuppressants that I'd resisted for two and a half three years and they gave me my mobility back in about oh, 18 kilos or something you know in, in three months just like boom well wow. and uh yeah yeah I know so that was a bit of a bugger because I still couldn't walk that well and I had no clothes because I'd given them all away I'm they're all declutterers so if I'm not using them they go <laughs> so all of a sudden I'm like oh god I've got to go shopping and I can't I still can't walk that well and all those sort of things that you just don't realize until you're disabled just how hard regular life is and so that that helped me enormously to go back on those and it helped me get rid of my cynicism of the pharmaceutical um, mm-hmm. industry and made me realize that that life works through scientists as well it doesn't only work through naturopaths you know they the universe or God, whatever you call it, the divine, it works through all of us, including science, and they both have their place. And but after a while, the side effects from the pharmaceutical meds started um, showing up, and mm-hmm. so I tried to go off them a couple of times, and uh, and it was it was not successful. But I at least now had a taste of what wellness was again, and what regular life was again, a semi regular life, not my old life. It was gone. Um, but, but having choice and being able to travel and do regular stuff. And so then I, the Ayurvedic path kept calling me back and, uh, and yeah, eventually I, I ended up uh working with a brilliant ayurvedic doctor and she sent me off to india for to do panchakarma to do the big detox there and uh so these days i'm only on ayurvedic herbs so all my tablets smell like curry and uh and i'm you know and i'm not on i'm not on any pharmaceutical meds anymore and i'm I'm still improving I, i ride a push bike i jump on a trampoline i i have i have limits um but they're actually really good for me in in a way because as soon as I start getting better, I push myself harder again, go back mm-hmm. to the old ways and expect too much of myself. And then if if the pain sort of my body just says no, oh well, hang on a sec, this isn't who you can be anymore. It's like, oh that's right, I've I've got to take it easy and have an easy life here. And so yeah, it's it's just it's just brought me so many blessings, especially being able to say no without guilt. I think that's probably of all of the things that's probably my my most favorite yeah was that a tough lesson to learn well yes yes and no because i was in i was so far gone i was so ragged that i i just didn't really have a choice and mm-hmm. and so the tough lesson was as i became Uh, as as I improved to still say no without guilt because I could say no without guilt when I was so ill that there was no choice of me saying yes to anything anyway but then as I, I became better it was a lot more tempting to say sure yeah I'll do this or I can do this or whatever and so but it wasn't it wasn't too tough because I had a lot of practice through the pain and that's that's the joy of this this long journey that that the lessons were given to me repeatedly, so they actually became a part of who I who I was. So I, it probably wasn't as difficult as um, just having to have an awareness of say, that I had the choice to say no, yeah, rather than falling back that's, to old um, habits, yeah.
1: That is such a hard thing for women in particular to learn, is to say no unapologetically and um, without, you know, the guilt around it. Mm. Um, Bunny, I noticed um, with some of the things that I've read about you that it seems like gratitude has played a really big part in a lot of your writings and is a big theme throughout there. Can you expand on that a little bit?
0: I think gratitude is the secret to happiness.
1: I, I definitely. Oh, I do. love that.
0: Yeah, I was about to say. Yeah, yeah. that's that's exactly what we preach to, and it's not preaching mm. when it comes from a place of pure love for others. If you realise that uh. um, you can be grateful for everything, and yeah, amazing. I love that sentiment you share. Yes.
2: Yeah, it's it is. Uh, gratitude has shaped me. I I was you know I've I've had a hard life even before this I'd had a hard enough life and um when this came along it's like oh you are joking aren't you? You know seriously I've now I'm dealing with this and but I just I've I've turned my life around on so many occasions through gratitude that I just thought okay once I stop resisting it and realise this is actually a long term thing, I'm not going to be this isn't something that's changing in a day into I can't change this situation in 24 hours I can't change this situation other than my perspective of it and so once I accepted that this was a part of my journey and there's still days five five years on where I just think oh damn this disease damn it you know but there's a lot of other days too where I just think thank you so much for what you know for who you've helped me become and yeah I think if we can look for the blessings and 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 do it in a way that's that's real I mean we have to experience our, our emotional pain. We don't have to deny it and say, oh, you know, life, life's just a bubble of joy every single minute of the day. Oh, I'm not allowed to be sad or I'm not allowed to be overwhelmed or I'm not allowed to be cynical or whatever. Um, I've got to be grateful every single minute of the day. That's that's impossible and ridiculous. So and I it, think that, we call uh, that delusional, um,
0: don't we? <laughs> it's, yes, it's yeah, like It's like we're, we're forming a false, false illusion of what the world is and that's not authentic living either.
2: No, it's not. And it's not being kind to ourselves either. Mm. We we have to actually acknowledge sometimes that we're having a really hard time or whatever. But it's then our choice how long we stay in that, whether we wallow in it for a long time or whether we just say, okay, I've released it. I've experienced it. I'm getting getting a bit bored of this. I'm going I'm to going to move forward now and just be grateful and, and find something beautiful. Because, you know, every day is one day less of our lives. So... This, you've got to get out there and think. Okay, this is this is a day, you know, a day to enjoy and a day to celebrate in in one way or another.
0: Absolutely. Look, I think this is something that we need to suggest to our listeners that you need to come and see Bronnie uh, live because th- we're really fortunate to know that uh, you've got an upcoming tour coming around the country of Australia. So we've got listeners from all over the globe. I'm sure. Are you going to hit uh, international at some point that we can <laughs> we can tell? Um, I've I've done a tour of of Europe before. I've because um, I have a huge
2: following in in Europe. Um, yes. And but no, this is my, um the Europe, next European tour will be in twenty eighteen.
0: Okay. So, so for, for our Australian uh, listeners, for now, um, you need to t- tune in because in the month of May, we're going to have, have Bronnie yes. beautifully, you know, moving around our country, um, sharing her wisdom and her knowledge and her journey and some of these things you've talked about today. I'm certain you're going to expand on and explore further and. Uh, you know run with the stories of your life and your experience what can people expect to I guess gain from coming to see you because obviously you know when you're in the dumps and you just you need hope but you also need tools you need to know well you know whilst it's nice to surrender I think all of us want something tangible we want to feel as though we have some Mm. form of power in our life
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, we're going to be doing some written exercises at the at, at the events. So there will be t- tools to go home with. But also I think that one of the, the most important areas of self-care is fun and connection. And so that's what I'm mostly wanting to create in these events. And there will be audience participation and but not in an uncomfortable way for anyone. And uh, it's it's going to be a, a, a very safe place. For everyone who comes and that's that's the the intention we'll set as soon as they arrive that that it's going to be a, a joy-filled event and a joy-filled space to do some healing and, and get some insights into yourself so there'll be music there'll be uh, meditation there'll be written exercises there'll be storytelling um yeah a, a little bit of everything and um and and me just bringing all of what I've learned into into one place and and making it such a uh, so it's just such a joy-filled event. You know, I'm encouraging people to make a road trip of it if they don't live in capital cities so that they can make the whole event, not just the Bronnie wear event, but the road trip with their friends or with their loved ones and and just just get out more. You know, one, one of the best pieces of advice I, I received from my a- Ayurvedic doctor actually is that we have to have something fun to look forward to every single week. And not just in a month or in a couple of months or something like that. Every single week we have to create something very fun, really fun to look forward to. And so a, a Bronnie Wear event is is one of those really fun things to look forward to.
0: <laughs> Yay. Well, we're, we're oh, excited because I, I know that you're definitely coming to Perth. So that's um, something that i look forward to. That's, I, know, I think I've checked to dates was around the 20th of May in Perth. Um, but check out the yes. Capital Cities and... Uh, Ladies listening, if you want to find this, you can go on to bronnieware.com. That's B-R-O-N-N-I-E-W-A-R-E.com. And I noticed it's a forward slash schedule. So you can have a little look at the events that are coming up there. Um, Bronnie, I think, you know, for a lot of people, we don't listen to ourselves enough, do we? I think if we just close out and say, if this is something that seems to resonate with you, you're listening, you're thinking, oh, yeah, I've been there, I'm there. um, I know that you are intuitive in the way you teach this. And it's really not just about letting the brain take over. Is it? we we need to to learn how to tap into our heart calling, our our soul calling, or or whatever you'd like to call that. Um, how do you teach that? What, what do you suggest to people when when the world overwhelms the mind? Where where do you go? Um, a, few, a few things. One is
2: space. Cause I'm a huge advocate for keeping space in our lives because that's not, not just sort of um, saying, okay, I've got an hour, I need to come up with a solution here, but actually just, just space just to be. And... That's when our heart does does um, can be heard more clearly, and it, it's once it knows it's actually it actually has your ear, then all your you know it, that it will be heard. Then it, it just celebrates and and wants to guide us in so many ways. But if we keep suppressing it through busyness or trying to mentally work everything out, then it's not feeling heard, and it's always there, and we always know our heart's trying to tell us something. But but we need to create space just to. Um, Without expectation, just to go out and have a lovely hour or two without plans, without expectations. And that's when the magic can happen. Um, The other thing is, again, about death. We have to face the fact that we're on limited time here. And we all know, we've all got this, uh, like if we're not living a life true to ourselves, we may not know necessarily what that life looks like but we know what the wrong life looks like we we know if we're living the wrong life and we know if we're too busy we know if we're taking on too much and so we either wait until life gives you a big slammer and says wake up like you know getting a disease or a huge uh, massive life upheaval or we stop and think okay i'm if i keep going this way I'm going to regret this life. I'm going going to regret some of these choices in my life. I need to make my choices more consciously. And so applying the power of conscious choice on a daily basis is a a hugely important habit to
1: create. Oh, Bonnie, I just love that. That sounds beautiful. Um, Ladies, you definitely need to get along to one of her events closest to you and we would definitely encourage you to take that road trip with your girlfriends to her events. She is such... A uh, gorgeous, authentic, kind of the best way I can describe you right now from our interactions here, Bronnie, is like a bit of a wise sage. <laughs> I think, uh, and I think that's probably what our listeners will get from you as well. Now, where can we find your books?
2: Um, in all bookstores now. Bloom is, is out as, as of um, the end of March. So, right.
1: on, so online or any books are good. Books are sold.
2: Yes, awesome. and, I mean, please support bookstores as much as possible because it would be an awful world if all our bookstores are only online. Um, but
0: support those ones too. So, yeah,
2: it's available anywhere.
0: It's it's available anywhere.
2: So all of them are available anywhere.
0: And easy to find Hay House Publishing, have you there? So uh, for those people who tune in and follow, you know, the Hay House uh, Facebook feeds and things, they'll hopefully see your book come across the, the
1: page as well. Mm. And I have links on my website as well on com. Brilliant. All right, ladies, we hope that you've loved this episode just as much as we have. Um, make sure that you are, have subscribed to us on iTunes. Leave us a five-star rating if you think that we deserve it. And if you've loved this episode as well, make sure you check out Bronnie and all of her awesome work that's on her site and on her social media handles as well. You can follow us on facebook.com forward slash the or on Instagram as well, underscore the wellness women. And ladies, until next week, be well.